Amen. Join me in prayer, won't you? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for our teens. We thank you for our young people. Even right now, Lord, I know that they're at camp. They're worshiping you. Are they being fed your word? So I pray, Father, just even right now at this moment, even as we worship together, that we're thinking that we're praying for our young people. I pray, Lord, that your spirit uh, would just invade their hearts and invade their midst. I thank you, Lord, for each and every one of them. We know, Lord, that it is not an easy thing to, uh, to be a Christian, to be a believer in this world, especially as a young person. So, Father, just pray your protection around each of them. I pray that you would give them strength and courage and boldness to stand up for you, Jesus. And I pray, Father, that they would continue to develop themselves and we, that we are a part of that process, Lord, so that they can become more and more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, bless them now. And bless us as well as we look into your word. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see, it's good to see you. Normally, I don't see you. But we've got some light here, and uh, it's great to see your faces. There's a little hum down here, Larry. Can you hear that? Wow, you guys are beautiful. I've got to take a picture. Hold on. Let's look at our verse this morning. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11, and it's right up here. So let's, let's just read it together. This is the verse of the week, all right? It says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Hebrews eleven six. Do you guys hear that hum down here? There's still a bit of a hum, Larry. Still a, bit, a little bit of a hum right down here. All right? Must be my loud, booming voice. All right. Well, this morning, I do have a confession to make. One of my greatest fears, and it's a fear that I believe a lot of people have, it's the one, number one fear for most people, is the fear of public speaking. It's this fear of speaking in public. And I don't know if any of you know this, but I am... And it's even hard to admit it here. I'm an introvert. I'm an extreme introvert. And I still remember as a teenager, I was very shy and very quiet. I never spoke up in class. I never volunteered any answers, even though I knew the answers to the questions. I even pretended one day to be sick on the day that I was supposed to give a speech in my speech class. That's how, that's how introvert and that's how afraid I was of speaking in public. And I was deathly afraid of that. And even when I went to college, I was quiet and reserved and shy. And I would shy away from speaking anywhere, in a, even in a small group. And I think today I'm still like that to a certain extent. I'm still a little bit introverted. I wouldn't want to be at home reading a book somewhere than coming out and seeing people. Well, anyway, after I graduated from college, I heard God speaking to me. And I heard him loud and clear. And I heard God clearly calling me to enter full-time ministry as a Salvation Army officer, what I am today. And that was more than 30 years ago. So I clearly knew in my heart, in my mind, what God wanted. But I wasn't sure that was what I wanted. You see, being a Salvation Army officer meant, amongst many other things, 
that I would have to do a lot of public speaking, just like I'm doing right now. And so there I was. And I can use all the cliches. Like I was between a rock and a hard place. I had come to a fork in the road. This is where the rubber meets the road. For you see, it was a decision time for me. I was confronted by God. I had clearly heard his voice. I had clearly heard him speaking. And now the ball was in my court. And I had to make a move. And it was a decision time for me. Either I believe and obey God's will and desire and plan for my life, or I make excuses why I couldn't do what he was clearly calling me to do. I'm not qualified, Lord. I don't have enough training or experience. What are, what are my friends going to think about me? And the excuses went on and on and on. At this, that moment in my life, there was a crisis of belief, a crisis of belief in my own heart. And that's what we're talking about today. And all of us, some of you have already faced that and you continue to face that. It's not just a one-time thing, but it keeps recurring. And we're going to dig down deep and drill down a little bit more in what this means when God calls us and he invites us to work with him and be a part of his mission and his work and his life-transforming ministry. And he says, I want you to join me. Then we're putting that place where we have to make a decision. So we're continuing our series this morning in Experiencing God. And you can see up here on the screen, there's a little diagram. And you can see, so I just want to do a real quick refresher before we move on. But number one, God is always at work in and around you. And I know we've been drilling that into you. And as you've been studying the workbook and working through in your Ohana groups, we have to come to the realization that God is alive and well and working in and around us at all times. And then number two, God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. And that is the crux of being a follower of Jesus. That is the crux of being a Christian, that it's a relationship. It's a personal relationship between me and God, between you and God through his son, Jesus Christ. And God is the one who pursues us. He wants to be in fellowship. He wants to be in relationship with us. And so we need to respond to that. And then number three, God invites you to become involved with him in his work. He's constantly doing that, inviting us, welcoming us, wanting us to be partners with him. And then number four, as we've learned in the last few weeks, that God speaks. God speaks to us in many different ways. He's speaking, not just through the burning bush, but in so many other ways. And he speaks to us in order to reveal himself to us so that we can see his purposes, so that we can hear his ways and his plan for our life. And then today, number five, we're going to see that God's invitation for you to work with him always leads us to what we call this crisis of belief. And we're going to drill down a little bit more in that. But it requires faith. And it requires action. And as I said earlier, this is the point in time in our study. This is where the rubber meets the road. 
This is where we need to take some action. And it's not just receiving and having head knowledge, but it's us taking some action. But God's first priority is to know him. And by that I mean, as I said earlier, it's having a close personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And we've said it before. Being a Christian, being a follower of Christ, is not a religion. It's not a religion. It's not a set of do's and don'ts and rules and regulations, but it's a relationship. It's a relationship. And we keep, we keep pounding that in. We keep reinforcing that because that is so true. And so many of us have been brought up, and the world in itself thinks of Christianity as a religion. It's an organized thing with a set of rules and regulations. And yet we know, or we should know, that it's a relationship. And it's a personal relationship that each and every one of us can have with God himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And so in this relationship, hearing God's voice, hearing his voice is important because the only way we can know the truth about God, the only way we can know about his ways and what he wants us to do is when he reveals it to us. So when, excuse me, when God speaks, it's our invitation to join him in his work. And over the last two weeks with the lieutenant and with Rick, we've looked at how God communicates with us. And there are lots of ways God can speak to us, but God primarily speaks to us by the Holy Spirit through the scriptures, through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, and then through other believers, through the church at large. But God doesn't communicate with us just to make us feel good. The purpose of sharing these truths is so that we will, number one, grow, so that we will continue to grow in our relationship with him, and number two, so that we would follow his plan. You see, in fact, when God speaks to us, and I hope you're listening, when God speaks to us, he is typically inviting us to join him in his work. And when we look in the Bible, pretty much any time we read of God speaking to people, he's inviting them to join him in what he is doing or what he's about to do. And so when God reveals something to you, this is your invitation to get on board, to get on board with God. I always like to use basketball illustration. It's like you're sitting on the bench, and the game is on, and the coach looks down and he says, Lum, get in the game. And he throws me the ball. And all of a sudden, I'm not just a spectator sitting on the side watching. I'm actively involved in the game. And then I have to do something. I'm a member of the team. If the ball's thrown to me, I have to do something with it. And so that's what happens here. When God invites us to join him, he's saying, hey, get off the sideline. Get on the court. Get on the field. Get into the game. And so as we see that, as we hear God inviting us to join him and to take part This sometimes, it usually leads to what we call a crisis of belief. That may be a foreign term for some of you, but we're going to look at it a little bit closer. See, when, when God speaks to us, when he speaks to you, and he tells you what he wants to do through you, you will, I guarantee, you will face a crisis of belief. You see the word crisis? 
It comes from a Greek word that means decision or judgment. Now, a crisis of belief, when we think of the word crisis, we normally think of, well, it's an emergency, it's a catastrophe, it's a calamity. But in this sense of the word, a crisis of belief is not a, a calamity in your life, but what it is, it's an opportunity. It's a turning point. It's a turning point where you must make a decision or you must make some type of judgment call. And when God calls us and we come to this point in our life, this point of decision, this fork in the road, it's pretty black and white at that point in time. They used to say you either, you either fish or you cut bait. You either believe God in what he said he will do and the promises that he has for us, or you don't believe him. So there really is this fork in the road. And we're in the middle of this road, and we've come to this fork. And we, all of us, when we get to that point, we need to make a decision. And that's the crisis of belief that we talk about. And this decision time, when we make this decision, it's something that requires faith and action as well. Because whatever God asks us to do will seem impossible to us. When God called me to be a Salvation Army officer, I said, that is impossible. There's no way. There is no way I can do that. And so when God asks us to do things, don't be surprised if it, what it appears to you it seems like, no, no way, God. That's an impossible thing for me to do. And you're right. It is, and it will be. But we've got to learn when God asks us to do something, no matter how big it is or how small it is or how impossible it may seem, he wants to do the work through us. It's not us doing it. And so in the Bible, when God spoke and when God directed people and what he wanted them to do, the task usually seemed impossible by human reason and understanding. And because it seemed so difficult, it led to what we call this crisis of belief. You see, when God, Moses, when God when God invited Moses, and we see the burning bush here, when God invited Moses to be the point man, to speak with Pharaoh, and to lead the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt to the promised land, Moses faced a crisis of belief. Remember some of the excuses he made? He says, God, huh? you know, can I do it? Would he return to the land where he was wanted for murder? Why would the Israelites ever accept him as a leader? What about his lack of speaking skills? I can identify with Moses. But what were the results? As, God, as Moses said yes to God, Moses was used by God. The people of Israel were free and liberated from Egypt. And wasn't Moses doing it? No, Moses was just an instrument. It was God who was doing it. But it was Moses who said, yes, Lord, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to surrender myself to you. I'm willing to surrender to your plan. Use me as you see fit. So that was a success story. How about a story that maybe didn't turn out so well when someone faced a crisis of belief? Remember the rich young ruler in the New Testament that Jesus spoke about? He asked the Lord, Lord, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus said, follow all the commandments. And he says, I followed every single commandment since I was young. What else do I need to do, Lord? And the Lord said, and he was very rich and very wealthy. 
And the Lord said, what did the Lord say? Go and sell all, your, all the things you have, all your possessions. Give everything you have to the poor. And then come and follow me. That was Jesus' word to the man. He was at a point. He was at a crisis, this crisis of belief. So what did he do? We know the story. It's a sad ending. It says, sadly, the man walked away from Jesus, and he never followed Jesus. That's a sad story. But it happens, because all of us have to make that decision at some point in time. Let's look at another story. This is found in the book of Judges in the Old Testament. Gideon. There's a man named Gideon. It's found in Judges chapter 6 and 7. And Gideon faced a big crisis of belief. You see, God had picked Gideon from so many other, so many other Israelites. And it says in Judges 6.15, Gideon, he was not qualified. He was not qualified to be the leader of the army. It says in, in, in chapter 6, verse 15, Gideon, who was from the weakest clan of his tribe, and he was the least in his family, yet God called him. And God asked Gideon to gather an army to defeat the Midianites, the enemy forces that were marching to their territory. And the Midianites numbered over 135,000 men. That's a huge, huge army. 135,000 men. So Gideon, Gideon gathered an army, as many as he, men as he could muster, and he wound up with 32,000 men. So imagine that. 135,000 versus 32,000. But it's interesting, as we continue to read the story, we see that God thought that this was way too many men for Gideon, even though they were outnumbered already four to one. And so this is what God said. He said in Judges chapter 7, verse 2, it says, The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I don't have 32,000. They've got 135,000. But the Lord says, You have too many men, Gideon. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me and say, my own strength has saved me. It's interesting. God felt he would not get enough credit if they were victorious. So God decreased the odds of victory, and he whittled that number down. And so he told Gideon, and Gideon told all the 32,000 men, if any of you don't want to fight, you just want to go back to your families and to your home, just go ahead and go. And out of that 32,000, 22,000 men left. They were given the option to serve or not to serve in the army. And 22,000 left. So that left Gideon with 10,000 men. 10,000 versus 135,000. The odds were getting worse and worse and worse. And yet God says, no, that's still too many. That's still too many. And so it got whittled down even more. And at the end of the day, Gideon ended up with 300. 300 men against 135,000. How could Gideon possibly defeat an army 450 times larger than his own? Impossible. Impossible. By human standards, though. And we know the end of the story. With God on your side, nothing, nothing is impossible. And so when God speaks to us, he frequently invites us to do something which we cannot do on our own strength or in our own abilities. And it is a God-sized assignment that God gives us because only through working with God 
and God working through us, can we complete that assignment. And so, because it's a God-sized assignment, which because of its size, it leads us, as we think about it, as we look at it, as Gideon looked at it, as a crisis. Ah, what am I going to do? i only got 300 guys here, and they've got a whole, a whole battalion up there. So perhaps the reason we don't see God working in our life and our church because, is because when God reveals his plan, perhaps it seems too big. And so we settle on doing only what we think we can do, using our own ability. However, what God challenges us to do requires his help. Otherwise, it will fail. Let me tell you this story. Over 13 years ago, the Salvation Army in Hawaii felt God leading them to reach out to West Oahu, to build a ministry, and to provide opportunities for Eva and Kapolei and beyond. And thus, the vision of Croc Center Hawaii was conceived. Now the Salvation Army felt God was leading them, and it was a God-sized assignment. But they felt that God was leading them to, to acquire land and to build a new facility, which would cost nearly $70 million when they had hardly any money in the bank at the time. They had an attendance in the church, the Leeward Core, the Leeward Church at the time, of about 60 to 65 people. And so it brought them to what we call a crisis of belief. You see, by all outward appearance, it seemed impossible. It cost too much money. There weren't enough people to support it. At least that is what human logic would tell us. There was a crisis of belief. And they had a choice to make. Would they step out in faith and do what what they believed God wanted them to do and trust him to do it? Or would they say, oh, I don't know, that's, maybe that's just a pipe dream we have. Maybe it's something that, maybe that's just wishful thinking. Well, obviously, we're here today. <laughs> Only after a whole lot of God-ordained miracles of epic proportion. And later on, if you want to talk to me, I can share with you some of those miracles that took place. And it was only because of God. It had to be from God and nowhere else. And because the Salvation Army stepped out in faith, when God spoke, they had a crisis of belief, and they said, God, we believe you. We believe you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And God provided. And you know, we just celebrated our seventh year anniversary. And believe it or not, we have no mortgage. There never was a mortgage to begin with. And our ministry, yes, praise the Lord. And God is using and continues to use Croc Center Hawaii to make a wonderful impact in this community. And it was nothing short of a miracle. So what does the future hold for us? We certainly don't want to rest on our laurels, do we? But we want to make sure that we continue to listen to God. Remember listening to God. God is constantly speaking to us. And to hear his voice and to hear his heart. And then to respond in faith to wherever, to wherever he leads us. And so here's the interesting point I want us to, to try to get this morning. 
and we'll have it up here on the screen. What we do, what we do after we sense God leading us and we face a crisis of a belief, what we do is very important. Why? Because it reveals what we really believe about God. Let me repeat that. What we do after we sense God leading us and we face a crisis of belief is very important because it reveals what we really believe about God. You see, we like to think we believe everything the Bible says about God. But when God challenges us to follow him based on that belief, what we do next actually reveals our actual belief. And this is where the rubber meets the road. Let me give you some examples of these crises and how they perhaps could apply to our personal lives. And perhaps you can relate to a few of these. Say God, and remember, we're all in a relationship with God, and we're listening and trying to hear God's voice and try to hear God's heart. So say God places a burden on your heart to do a ministry in the church or perhaps a ministry in the community that you've never done before, and you know it's from God, and it seems beyond your ability. Do you believe God will give you the skills, the abilities, the resources, and the time to do it? What are you going to do? You're at a crisis of belief. Or say God reveals to you, and you know it's the Lord. It says it in his word. It's his Holy Spirit. It's confirmed by other people in the church. God reveals to you that you need to quit a habit or turn from a particular sin, like a critical spirit or, or gossip or anger. Or perhaps it's an addiction, like drinking or, or pornography. And you tried several times on your own to do it before without success. Do you believe the Holy Spirit will give you the ability to resist the temptation if you make the first move, what are you going to do? You are at a crisis of belief. God has spoken. You have heard him clearly. Now you need to act. Or perhaps God reveals to you he's working in the life of someone near to you. And he's inviting you to share your story or your testimony or your faith with that person. But you don't know what to say and and it kind of makes you nervous just thinking about it. Are you going to believe the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say and the courage to say it? What are you going to do? You are at a crisis of belief. Or perhaps, perhaps God convicts you about loving an enemy. Or perhaps he convicts you about, about forgiving someone who has wronged you. I can't do it, Lord, no. It's just too hard. You you really don't know what that person did to me. All these things seem impossible, and they are, without God's help. You are at a crisis of belief. What you choose to, to, to do next will reveal your true level of faith. You see, God creates these crises in our lives Because number one, his plan is best. His plans, he knows what's best for us. And number two is because God wants us to to move beyond just this head knowledge of God to actually experiencing him personally in that way. We remember the theme of our series is experiencing God. 
not just knowing more about God up here, but experiencing out throughout our entire life. So what's the next step when we go through this crisis of belief and we come to this sort of fork in the road and we need to make a decision, we need to make a call, we need to do something? This is where faith comes in. You see, the Bible's definition of faith is found in Hebrews 11.1, and it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is trusting in God to provide a way, even when we cannot see how it could possibly happen. Faith is looking into the face of impossibility, but with a sense of confidence and assurance and certainty in God that he will be and that he would do all that he said he would. And then, along with faith and having that knowledge and having that assurance and having that confidence in God, it doesn't end there yet. Because true faith requires action. You see, faith just isn't something that remains in our head. It requires movement. It requires action. You can't just say you believe it. You have to act as though it's true. Faith must be supported by action. Remember, the ball is in your court now. What are you going to do with it? James tells us this in his letter in the Bible, James chapter 2. And he says this. He says, what good, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? In the same way, verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Action. This is a tough sermon to preach. Maybe a tough sermon to hear. Because we have to do something. We have to do something. Let me close with this story. And I'm going to ask... Matt and Kim to come up to the stage. Many years ago, a French man, this was in the 1800s, named Charles Blondin, strung a tightrope across Niagara Falls, and he proceeded to walk across it and traverse the raging waters. And he was one of the first people to ever walk across Niagara Falls. And as he was walking across that tightrope, a crowd started to gather around as he successfully made his way back to his starting place. And as he saw the crowd gathering around him and cheering him on, he said this to the crowd. He says, who here, who here believes that I can cross over Niagara Falls again, but this time I'm going to push a wheelbarrow? And he asked, and the crowd got excited and began shouting, we believe we believe. So sure enough, Blondin steered that wheelbarrow successfully across the falls and back to the applause of the onlookers and the crowd. And the crowd grew and they were more ruckus. And then he said again to the growing crowd, he says, who here, who here believes that I can cross over Niagara Falls a third time? But this time I'll put a man in the wheelbarrow. And the crowd went crazy and they said, we believe. We believe, we believe you can do it. We believe you can go again another time with a wheelbarrow, with a man in it. They shouted and bonded and replied, Okay, great, wonderful. Who will be my first volunteer? 
silence. After all they had seen, the people were most likely very, very sincere in professing their belief that Blondie could again walk across Niagara Falls on a tightrope, this time with a person in a wheelbarrow. And yet, they didn't believe enough to be willing to take the risk and get into the wheelbarrow themselves. Is that reflective of our relationship with God? Do we truly believe God is who he says he is? That he will provide? That he will equip? That he will empower us? When he calls us and invites us to join with him in this wonderful life-transforming work? Remember, this is where the rubber meets the road. We believe. Any volunteers? So my challenge to you this morning is twofold. Twofold. Number one, have you been listening? Have you been listening to what God is speaking to your heart? That is so critical in our relationship with him. A lot of times it's just we're praying to God, we're telling him our needs, we're asking him for things. Part of a relationship is listening. Are you truly listening to what God is saying to you? And what is he speaking to in your heart? I challenge you to do that. And then the second thing is, after you've heard him, how are you responding? How are you responding to what God is saying to you? Are you at a crisis of belief because you know what God wants you to do, but you don't know if you can do it? How will you demonstrate your faith in God through what you choose to do next? You see, if God is leading, if God is leading you to do it and he's calling you to do it, do it. God will not let you down. He's faithful. He is more, more than able to accomplish his will as we give our lives to him, as we surrender to him. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes as Kim sings and think about these two questions and ask the Lord, help me to hear you, Lord. Then help me to respond in faith and in action. If you want to come to the place of prayer, you're more than welcome to. Let the Lord speak to you this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you because you love us so much that you want to be in relationship with us and be in fellowship with us. So Lord, we thank you for continuing to pursue us Even when we're so far away from you, Lord, you keep pursuing us. You keep coming after us. We thank you for that, Lord. And Lord, as we we develop our relationship with you, help us, Lord, to listen to you more. Help us, Lord, to be in tune with your mind, in tune with your heart, because we want to know what you think and what you feel, because we want to be like you. And so, Father, as we hear you speaking to us, we know that you have a special calling, a special task, special assignments that which you want us to do, to join you 
in your wonderful life-transforming work. And so, Father, we thank you because you, you value us so much that you want us to be a part of that. So, Father, help us to listen. Help us to hear. And the Lord, help us to respond. Father, we pray that you would increase our faith today. Help us to truly know you and believe you and trust in you and then be willing to step out in faith. And so, Lord, we pray that you just continue to show yourself to us and reveal yourself to us. And Father, for those that are struggling and not quite sure they're at this crossroads in their life, I pray, Father, that you would just anoint them with your spirit, that, would, that you would just give them the strength and the courage and the boldness to just trust in you even more because you are a faithful God and you have never failed us. So thank you again, Lord. Bless us this day. We love you. We praise you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.